The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Hear the story of Bayless Conley's devastating accident that doctors didn't think he would survive. I have no recollection of the accident that happened. Uh, my throat was crushed and torn open all at the same time. And uh, my, both of my lungs were filled with blood. My tongue was lacerated, I had a chunk taken out of my leg. My chin was completely opened up down to there. I was bleeding on the brain. My carotid artery got opened up. Trusting God no matter what. Next on Life Today. My guest, my co-host, I should say, is Sheila Walsh. Would you welcome Sheila to life today? Hi. Always glad to have her here. And I, was, I guess a little excited because we've got a very good guest here today. Yeah. Um, he's a pastor in uh, Orange County, California, Cottonwood Church. He's also uh, someone who speaks all over the world through a television show called Answers with Bayless Conley. Um, and then he travels a lot, uh, speaking in, in Europe, uh, really all over the world. And he's blessed so many people, and, and yet somebody like that you think should avert all tragedy. Uh, and he nearly lost his life here just, just not too long ago. Why don't we introduce yeah. our guest and let him tell a story? Because it yeah. really is amazing. Would it you is. welcome, please, Bayless Connolly? Hey. Thank you. Glad to be here, you guys. So glad to see you. Start, well, not quite from the beginning, but your spiritual beginning, because, you know, you're just the way you found. Right. Well, Christ is amazing. Randy, as long as I can remember, since I was a little boy, I was looking for God. My mother was certain I was going to become a Catholic priest because of the questions I asked her as a two-year-old. Um, but through a process of things, I ended up uh, having major league problems with drug addiction and alcoholism. I was raised in Southern California. Um, Shortened the story. Left home as a teenager. Um, moved from Southern California to the state of Oregon and things sort of went from bad to worse there as far as the drugs and I was involved in a, um, just a lot of illegal things and uh, never heard the gospel. No human being ever shared Christ with me and I was in a park one day and I was walking through a kid's playground area. You just wouldn't notice and there's kids running everywhere and a little Mexican kid with cowboy boots on walked by me and I couldn't take my eyes off of him. There was just something amazing about him. I didn't know what it was. I recognized it was wholesome and that I didn't have whatever he had. Mm. I watched him till he disappeared across the other side of the park. I thought that was weird. And I walked up, it went, went into sort of a forest. I walked maybe a half a mile back into the forest and sat down next to a creek. I was completely isolated from view. And uh, I was an interesting thing happened that I'll just back up a little bit. For some reason, I was thinking about Jesus. And I couldn't get Jesus off my mind, but it was Jesus the guru, mm. Jesus an Eastern teacher. I, I didn't know the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah. It got to the point when I was walking by myself, I stopped and looked around and said, okay, I'll think about Jesus just over and over and over. And then I, I saw the kid and just thought that was weird. So I'm sitting down by the creek, about 15 minutes, I hear something. That same boy comes sliding down the opposite creek bank, sits on the creek across from me. and. 
I didn't look much like I do now. I had real long hair, I used to braid it with feathers in it, I had a long red beard. And wow. the, the kid <laughs> looked up at me, he said, can I ask you a question? And I've been thinking about Jesus for like an hour. I said, okay. He said, do you know Jesus? And I about fell off the rock I was sitting on. And honestly, my first thought was, this kid must think I'm Jesus. <laughs> I really thought that. And I said, come here. And he sat down next to me and he said, isn't he wonderful? I started talking like Jesus was still alive. And I, I, I was so taken aback. He, I talked to him for about 20 minutes and he's going on and on about Jesus. He says, come on, I want you to meet my mom. Hmm. So I follow him across the park and here's his mother asleep in the grass. His two little sisters are playing there. He wakes her up and I, I talk to him and I'm thinking, these are the weirdest people I've ever met. And I, I said goodbye as I'm walking off. She said, come to our house for dinner. I said, no. And as I'm still continuing to walk away, she shouts the address at me and I just blew it off. Thought I'll never see them again. And uh, anyway, a lot of things happened in between. I moved to Mexico City, was involved in some, some bad things down there and um, decided that, that I needed to come back and, and try and find that family. And um, I was uh, <sighs> walking down the street one day and I remember the address and I, I found the street and it's been weeks and I'm walking down the street, it was an incline and they call me Bay was my nickname then. Then I hear this lady, the, the kid's mother, she's hanging out of a second story window going, Bay, Bay, up here. And I went up and they had a place set for me and they had dinner ready. He said, we've been waiting for you. The Lord told us you'd be here tonight. Mm. And I said, who told you? <laughs> she said, Jesus told us. And I like to tell you I got saved right away. I didn't, you know, Things sort of spiraled out of control, and I ended up on a, a mountain road one night. I was staying with friends, and no street lights, no other homes around but theirs, and I laid across the hood of my truck, and I said, God, if you're real, if, if this stuff about Jesus is real, you know, what about this? And I fired a question off and got no answer. I fired another question off, just silence, and I, I began to cry, and I started to yell at God. You know, I yelled two or three more questions, got no answer. And uh, went, to, you know, I wiped the tears off my face, went in, went to sleep. And the next morning when I woke up, something amazing happened to me. God spoke to me and I knew it was God. He said, I want you to go to the lady's name was Ramona. I want you to go to Ramona's house. So I went over there. They're packing up, getting ready to go somewhere. I said, where are you going? He said, we're going to a street mission in the next town over. God speaks to me a second time. And I know intuitively it's God. He said, I want you to go with him. And instead of obeying, I argued inside, just internally. I said, I don't think so. I said, God, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If they invite me, I'll go. Immediately, Ramona wheels around, points to me, says, babe, will you go with us? <laughs> I said, okay. And uh, so I'm sitting on the front row. I still remember I had a pair of skin tight, bright orange pants with big yellow stripes down the side and a little sweatshirt and a marrow across. Yeah. With, yeah, with a bless me if you can attitude. And, and uh, they're going to have testimonies. I have no idea what this is. And it's filled with derelicts and street people, drug addicts. I'm right at home. <laughs> and this little lady gets up behind this giant wooden lectern. And instead of sharing a testimony, she begins to quote word for word the first question I'd asked God the night before on the hood of my truck hmm. and then shared the answer from the Bible and my eyes started leaking. And then another guy got up to give a testimony, but he quoted the next question almost verbatim that I asked God the night before, shared the answer from the Bible. Several people got up, even the questions I shouted at God, they shared the answers. I mean, quoted the question, shared the answer. 
by this time I'm undone. I'm sitting on the front row sobbing like a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, it hit me like a, a ton of bricks that it was true. I'd, I'd been set up, you know. <laughs> and that night in that little mission, I accepted Christ. People laid hands on me and prayed for me. I was set free from drug addiction that night. And um, it's been a journey of about 40 years yeah, why, since that why, why do you think God pursued you <clears throat> like that? I think my heart was honest, even though I was involved in a lot of things. And honestly, anybody that's watching right now, I think anyone that earnestly wants to know God, that wants to know the truth, I think God will move heaven and earth to get the truth to them, be they in a village in the middle of the Brazilian rainforest or in one of the world's metropolitan cities. I think God, he looks for people with honest hearts. And I think it's because I was serious about wanting to know why I was here and if he was real. So where do you go from that, Bayless? I mean, you've gone from, you know, the long hairs, the feather, the orange pants, the slightly illicit things that were going on, okay. and suddenly you're radically saved. What do you do next? Um, I immediately got a handful of tracks and went out on the street and gave them to anyone that would stand still long enough for me to talk to. I took my guitar that also had feathers hanging off it. I'd go to the park and I'd sing songs and get a crowd and then put my guitar down and, and tell them what happened to me. So I just immediately, I shared with all my friends. I won about half of them to Christ. The other half I lost. Mm -hmm. But um, it's what I looked for my whole life. And, uh, What's uh, amazing just, to me is you think of that little boy. I mean, your mom mm -hmm. thinks you're going to be a Catholic priest because you're asking these questions. So clear, the Holy Spirit had been working on you since you were a child yeah. because he had something amazing for you. I mean, I think that, I think of people watching in who are just flicking through channels and they stop because they hear your story and maybe they've been asking a lot of really tough questions and not getting an answer. Yeah. What do you say to people who think, well, I've asked God tough questions. He, he's well, not speaking to me. I, I think the person that's watching right now, that that's them, it's not a coincidence you're watching. Yeah. It's a matter of divine design. And if you just open your eyes and recognize it, he, he's talking to you right now. Mm. That's absolutely right. Yeah. You go from your guitar with the feathers, and I'm noticing today there's no feathers. No. Feathers are gone. Well, Chickens around the world are safe once yeah. more. So how do you go from that to becoming a pastor? Well, honestly, I kind of haven't got rid of the hippie thing. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, um, Early on as a Christian, I mean, I, I moved down to Mexico. I'd lived in Mexico before I was a Christian, getting in trouble. I moved back down there and did missions work shortly after I was saved. And uh, there was one day praying in somebody's backyard, and God spoke to me about pastoring. I didn't jump in right away. Thank God I didn't. I would have skinned all the sheep alive. <laughs> but uh, um, a guy that I met doing missions work in Mexico asked me to come on and be an assistant pastor with him. And I served him for two years, and then my wife and I started our church in 1983. One so. thing that I know, I know you do, you travel a lot. I do. Uh, a lot in Europe. Um, and we, we talked earlier, because <laughs> you've kind of you got a reputation of attracting gypsies in Europe, which is not a good thing necessarily in the, in the eyes of a lot of Europeans, right? But well, I, think that's, I think it's a little bit of where you came from, you know, and that honesty and that just searching and that... Yeah, that may be why, Randy. I'm honestly not sure why, but I've been for 25 years about been doing meetings in Europe, and uh, we probably concentrate more in, in Germany, Switzerland, and the Netherlands than anywhere else. But uh, um, sometimes, I mean, an average meeting, we might have 300 gypsies turn up, and the pastors say we've never seen a gypsy in our church before. And I think they're a misunderstood community in Europe. 
Um, but those that are saved, they fiercely love God and they would give you the clothing off of their back and they're the most genuine, passionate, creative people Absolutely. that I've ever met. I, and I love mm-hmm. them to pieces. You know, one of the most difficult questions, and probably one that you may have even asked when you're shouting questions at God, is, is, is why? Why do bad things happen to people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Here you are, traveling the world, ministering to people, opening your heart and your life to, to share the gospel, and you're out doing something you love, which is boating and fishing and sailing, and you live in California, so you guys get to do that. We're a little jealous around here in Texas. And you nearly die. I did. Tell us a little bit about the, what happened and then kind of what right. brought you through that. Well, I, uh, I, one of my hobbies is I free dive and we spearfish and we Tell go. people what that means. Okay. It means he has it's, no oxygen, it's people. It's basically <laughs> you snorkel. You hold your breath and you dive down either with a spear gun to hunt fish or to get lobsters at night. And we were going out to Catalina Island. It's about 25 miles off the coast. And anyway, we, we T-boned a little point that sticks out, goes into a reef. And uh, I have no recollection of the accident that happened. Um, there was two other friends on board. I was the most severely hurt. Um, uh, my throat was crushed and torn open all at the same time. And uh, my, both of my lungs were filled with blood. My tongue was lacerated, I had a chunk taken out of my leg. My chin was completely opened up down to there. I was bleeding on the brain. My carotid artery got opened up. Um, a few other things as well. Did and, you hit uh, the steering wheel? Is that what you did? I'm not sure. You don't even know. That doesn't I, sound survivable, no, though. Well, no. They, uh, it, it, there's quite a story in there. But, but to answer your question, then I'll, I'll share a little bit of that. You know, we, we live in a fallen world. Everything doesn't operate the way God originally intended. One day he's going to fix all that, going to make a new heavens and a new earth. There's not going to be any more sorrow or pain or sickness or any of those things. We have an adversary, the devil. And the... the I don't have all the answers. I know God, God didn't cause my accident. Um, you know, he didn't initiate it, but he knew it was going to happen. Nothing takes him by surprise. And uh, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have a theology that requires me to understand everything before I believe God is good. Mm-hmm. I believe he's good even when I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we had the accident. Um, there happened to be a Coast Guard boat around the corner that were practicing for just such an event, and they're never there. One of our guys had, was able to put out a mayday, and they were there within minutes, and uh, got us airlifted over to the coast. And they, they said, I would have bled out in another 15 minutes. Um, a, bun- a battery of doctors worked on me for seven and a half hours, and the lead physician came out. First thing she said to my wife was, none of us thought he was going to live. We didn't think he could make it. And uh, anyway... Um, Part of it was, uh, was instantaneous. A lot of people prayed for me. The bleeding on my brain stopped right in front of them. Carotid artery had a big flap in it, plus another artery was open up. Both of those sealed up right in front of the doctors. But other parts of my healing were a process, yeah. and it was not, not, not easy. Did um, you think you might not preach again? Well, they didn't know if I'd ever be able to for sure. They thought maybe it might be a year and a half because I couldn't even speak. My mouth didn't work. I had a, a dead vocal cord. My tongue didn't work. They had to sew my tongue back together. I actually didn't get all the parts. Uh. But, uh, um, and then the big thing was my throat. I mean, I couldn't swallow. I didn't have a sip of water for probably four months. Had a G-tube in my stomach. If I got thirsty, it was a big syringe of water. I had to eat everything that way. So. I had to learn how to swallow all over again, had to learn how to speak all over again. My diction's still not perfect. My voice is a little different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
I think sounds yeah. good though. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of kind of growly quality. Well, thank you. Yes, yeah. this is my Lou Rawls version right here. <laughs> but, um, what do you take from all that? I mean, what would you, did uh, you, obviously? I mean, you got to go. God, why, why did you not not like why me? But why am I? Am I? What's going on? Right. Well, yeah. There, there's certainly. Um, I, I don't think I ever questioned why that never, that was never an issue with me. Like I said, I just knew that God was good. Um, it, it was a, a big deal. I mean, my wife and family, they're the real heroes. They didn't know if I'd be a vegetable. I was in a coma for 10 days. My first memory was waking up in, in ICU 10 days after the accident. But they didn't know if I was going to be normal mentally. They didn't know if life as we knew it was over, even if I was okay mentally, if I'd ever be able to speak or preach again. And, uh, you know, bless my my wife you know she stood with me and and you know the the whole family in the church and i think that's one of the things that stood out randy is you know in the book of psalms it says you know may may god help you in the day of trouble may he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of zion mm-hmm. the sanctuary is the place where god's people gather and in hebrews 12 as well as referring to israel zion's the type of the church mm-hmm. And I'm here because people prayed. People rallied around my family. They rallied around me. They brought food over that I couldn't eat. Um, you know, we, we didn't tell them. My family enjoyed it. But uh, I wouldn't be here if not, not for the people of God. And I, I think, uh, um, you know, for the promises as well. People prayed the promises over me. When I was able to talk again, I began to pray them over myself. I think the promises of God are what connects us with his nature. And his nature is health. His nature is, is life. His nature is peace. Is uh, and, you know, without a promise, you don't have a pipeline to connect you with his nature. So mm. promises were important. Patience yeah. was a big one. Mm. Um, like I said, part of what happened to me was instant, but all of my healing wasn't. And I wish it had been. You know, some of it's been a pro- uh, just a long process. I mean, I, I couldn't eat for the longest time. And then if I finally, the first thing I did, I had a cup of tea, the very first thing That's I had. That's a very good choice. It As a British person, let me just say, excellent it choice. It took me 90 minutes to, to cough and sputter down that cup of tea, gagging like I was going to die, but I was determined to do it. And, uh, you know, those things with my speech and my swallowing and, and my, my diction, it, it, that's been a process. And I think... Sometimes people think if God does things, it has to be instant, but not everything he does is instant. Mm -hmm. In John chapter 6, there's a story, the disciples in a great storm on the lake. Um, Jesus gets in the boat, immediately they're at the shore. We love that. But in Acts chapter 7, they're in a great storm that lasted for weeks, and there was divine intervention. An angel appeared, the storm blew itself out, they lost the ship, ended up on shore. Nobody wants to be in the (laughs) Acts 27 story. You know, I honestly, I wish with everything it had been John chapter 6. You know, I'd just go on record, God, I prefer that. But, you know, for so it seemed good in his sight. And I'm, I'm happy and I just trust him. However, you know, that, that rolls out. Mm. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're still preaching the gospel and sharing yeah. your life story. We Thank appreciate it. Thank God for those guys that were close by when the situation was bad. They were able to respond. I think that's a pretty good picture of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many people around the world in places right now where they are asking God for a miracle. And and I believe that you and I are going to get the opportunity to be an answer to that prayer. Absolutely. In fact, I want you to see it. Watch this right now. Stenina. We are going to the the home of little Stenina. She actually lost a little sister 
with the contaminated water here. They use the same water to drink, to wash their clothes, to clean the house, and also washing dishes. And then they drink the same water. So it's a very startling scenario. She has to walk about two kilometers, about a mile and a half one way to collect water and then bring it back home to her mother. And what she showed me here, I was just really surprised that somebody would actually drink this water. Her little sister died at about three years old from drinking this water. They couldn't save her life. She got so sick and so ill, they just couldn't bring her back. So she's lost a little sibling drinking this water from the river. It just kind of disturbs your soul when you know that it's a very simple solution. Just a cup of clean water would have saved little Stanina's little sister. You know, that little girl, Stanina, is carrying such a heavy load. She's carrying the burden that usually a mom or a dad would carry. And that profound sadness she feels at the loss of, of a sibling and so afraid she'll lose her brother too. You know, whenever I know that my son's coming home from college, one of the first things I do is I go to the supermarket and I buy bottles of the water he likes best. And when I watch that, my heart breaks for that little girl. That simply the very thing that they need to sustain life, which is to be able to drink water, is the very thing that's killing them. But you and I, we have the privilege. We can change this. I mean, we can do this. Our plan, our prayer, our commitment this year is to build new water wells. And you know, the thing that's amazing about these wells, I'm, I'm learning, is that this is not just some hole in the ground that can cave in. These are amazing wells that can operate without electricity. They're steel-based. Children can pump them. Do you know they'll last for 70 years? That's why it's called water for life, yeah. because this will do for life. This will sustain them for life. So we want to do this. $4,800, which I know is a lot for some of you and not so much for others, will build a well in a village that will change the life of every person in that village. But maybe you can do less. Maybe you can just do $48 if you could do that. You see, if we all join together, you might think that's a drop in the bucket. But if you and I join together, the bucket's getting wetter every single day. Mm -hmm. Go to the phones right now, go online, do what you can. And you know, th those tears, golly, man, first time I, I saw that, those tears just, it's just not right. It hurts, it hurts my heart to watch a child have to go through that in the way she, she's clinging on to her brother. And there's so many kids like that. And some of you, you know what? I know $4,800 is not feasible for me, but I know there's some people that are watching. I bet there's some people that could do two or three wells. And I just want you to pray about it. God will tell you what you're supposed to do, and then you need to be obedient. But for most of us, you know, $24 is that's the way it breaks down. The math breaks down to $24 will give five people clean water for the rest of their lives. Stanina, her brother, 
couple of other siblings, cousins. If they were in your neighborhood, you know, you'd run to their door and say, here, here's $24, my goodness. You don't have to drink that, that deathly water. It's just a matter of obedience. Pray and ask the Lord, what can I do today? And then reach out, partner with us, and let's give water for life. Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. Our teams have recently located remote villages in Southern Africa where children are dying from contaminated, disease-ridden water. The situation is desperate. They need clean, disease-free water immediately. With your gift today, you can help drill 188 water wells in remote villages across seven African nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you Sheila Walsh's devotional, Five Minutes with Jesus, a fresh infusion of joy to help you find perspective in the midst of daily life and experience a deeper connection with God. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive our No Greater Name Canvas, a beautiful artistic expression of our Savior's name and a daily reminder of His presence in your life. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our beautiful new hand-painted Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. These ladies are here washing, and you can see by looking at the water, the water is totally contaminated, and, and, and we know for a fact that thousands of people have died in this area, so we must I mean, just absolutely must drill water wells here and, and literally give these people a future. And this is typical of all of Southern Africa. We need your help. And we ask you to help provide the answer and the remedy to this very serious problem. When you've got children dying every day because of contaminated water sources, we can turn that situation into a situation of hope. So would you be that source of inspiration and help by making the best gift you can today? Do go to the phones or go to the website. Appreciate you just reaching out and giving life. Uh, I also appreciate you, Bayless. Appreciate you being with us. Thank I do you. want to mention to people that you have a book called From Generation to Generation. It's available now in multiple languages. which yes. shows your heart for reaching uh, other people. And also, what's your website if they want to watch your show? or get Answers BC. Org. Great. We appreciate you. Would you thank Bayless for joining us on Life Today? And as always, we appreciate you. Join us again next time on Life Today.
Next week on Life Today, after over 30 years, Grammy Award-winning artist Sandy Patty celebrates God's faithfulness with a final nationwide tour. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.